welcome to Mysterious AF. I'm Celesta. I'm Charles. And we are a... Well, now I guess we're weekly podcast, but... For now, right? Well, I mean, like, we have mini-sodes. Yeah. Our, we have mini-sodes, and then we do our main thing, which is reviewing a paranormal, strange, mysterious documentary. So today we are doing Bray Road Beast. Mm-hmm. Which is found on Amazon Prime Video. Yes. <laughs> and thanks to Charles and his password, I could watch it. We opened up a whole new library that we can both watch yeah. independently. But we also know what each other is watching. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Um, I've been watching <laughs> America's Next Top Model, and Celeste and her husband have been watching... Man in the High Castle. Thank you. I was like, what is that called? Yes. And Spongebob. <laughs> For the record, <laughs> I mean, I love Spongebob, but Ryan is the only one that's been watching it because usually I spend my Sunday mornings. In prayer? De- yes. <laughs> and Ryan's been watching Spongebob. So. I, there's nothing wrong with Spongebob. Like, I just, when I saw that, I was like, what? Did someone else get into my account? It just kind of took me by surprise because there's usually only a couple things in like continue right. watching or my list. And I've been on America's Next Top Model kick, and but it's all good. I just enjoy that. I just love how they transform people. It is I'm really. Like, how are you going to be a model? And then they put makeup on, do their hair, mm-hmm. pose them, and I'm like, oh, wow, beautiful. How did that happen? It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. This is not a podcast about <laughs> the world, the glamorous world of no, modeling, the or Minnesota Spongebob. Modeling Academy, which I graduated <laughs> from. Uh, but yeah, so Bray Road Beast. Do you want to give us the uh, synopsis? Sure. I'd love to. <clears throat> In the early 1990s, a rural Wisconsin community called Elkhorn was at the center of a series of real-life werewolf sightings. As local reporter Linda Godfrey began her investigations into the Beast of Bray Road, other reports around the country, and soon the world, began flooding in. For the subsequent three decades, the Beast of Bray Road has been the most infamous Wisconsin resident. Besides you. I don't want to call you out here, but the subsequent? Subsequent? Here you go. Did I I say (laughs) subsequent? Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, wow. I don't know. I thought I was doing good. Dang. You, Sub- oh, you subsequent? are great. Subsequent. <laughs> Subsequent three decades. That's the way I heard it. I've had a lot of wine. Maybe it's me. Uh, we'll have to play this back and get to the bottom of this mysterious <laughs> mispronunciation. <laughs> For the subsequent three decades. For the subsequent three decades. For the subsequent three decades. So, have you been to Elkhorn? No. I mean, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe I've been close. Just a background for this, you guys. We are human. We actually recorded this podcast two days ago, and I made the mistake of using my laptop microphone where the audio quality was abysmal. So we are re-recording. We had plenty of wine and other drinks the other night, so we didn't really remember <laughs> what all we said. So yeah, no, there's there would be no reason for me to be an Elkhorn. Okay, not even like I mean, it's kind of if you went between Madison and Milwaukee, 
like picked the midpoint there and went straight south, that's Elkhorn. But it's not... There's really no reason to go there if you're on your way to Chicago or okay, another big thing. Anyway. Okay. So we start out with a rather fairy tale-like entry, which I liked. Mm-hmm. It was well done. Uh, we get the story of... Lycian. Lycian. And he's trying to feed Zeus his son for some reason. I think he's, like, trying to prove that, yeah, he's smarter or better than Zeus. By sacrificing his own son to feed to Zeus. Like you do. Well, it's a different time, I guess. (laughs) Zeus finds out and revives or brings the son back to life because he does actually kill him. And then he turns the Lycian? Lycian. Lycian. Into a wolf as punishment. Yeah. There you go. First werewolf. Mm-hmm. I, at this point, this whole intro, I it reminded me of the podcast lore. And I was like, I am into this. It's great. Yeah, I want it's more good. I want more violence and Wow. People getting turned into creatures and Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then as I told you last time, the narrator's voice though makes me crazy. Oh yeah. And that's it just right. doesn't fit. And I don't remember what it sounds like, and I haven't gone back and watched it since. So it's just going to remain a mystery for me. Well? Long ago, the ancient Greeks told the tale of Lycian of Arcadia, a cruel king and father of many children. But I think that this is a documentary and a series, and so I'm wondering if they're going to have the same narrator (gasps) in the other entries. Well, if they do, I'm going to complain about it just like I am today. Okay. I will prepare myself. This documentary also goes by chapters. Yeah. So chapter one is A Quiet Place to Live, mm-hmm. which is most of Wisconsin. <laughs> I would have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> we open on Linda Godfrey, who is like all over the paranormal world. If you're listening to this, I assume you've heard of Linda Godfrey. Maybe not. I hadn't. I hadn't heard of her. Charles. I've been really busy with choir and finishing the semester. (laughs) (laughs) So you've heard of her? Yeah, I've heard of her. She's she's written a lot of paranormal crap. I mean, books. Well, I'm not saying that I haven't heard of her. I just don't remember her name. Okay. Um, You probably have. Yeah. She's done interviews and she's done... The one thing that we can talk about... Later, too. But, like, by the end of this, I still don't know if she actually believes any of this or if she just likes to write about it and thinks it's a good story. That's a good point, because I feel like that's how I would be if I was her. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'd believe it. You. <laughs> that's yeah. why we're here talking about it today. Yeah, I mean, I'd be like, <laughs> I want to believe in this creature, and it's really interesting to me, but if I don't have the experience... I'm not going to believe it. Like, I don't even know if I would believe Nate if he was like, this creature scratched my car. I was like, um, no, you were probably in road rage and swiped into a rake or something that was laying in the road. And that's what the scratches on your car. Right. Because rakes are just all over Kansas City in the road. Well, funny story. When I was in middle school (laughs) on the bus ride home. Ten years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago when I was in middle school, (laughs) this kid I rode the bus with had lots of behavioral problems, 
And our bus driver didn't speak much English and didn't really care what we did. So on the road, this kid stuck a like one of those big sweet brooms out the window and was hitting cars that we were driving what? by with it. <laughs> so then our bus driver proceeded to pull over in the middle of this busy street and tell us the camera is on. <laughs> And we all got really quiet and sat and rode in silence the rest of the way home. But I'm just saying, weird things come out of bus windows and hit your car. (laughs) Where did he get this broom from? It was like laying under the row of seats. Okay, so... He didn't like just have it on his person. He's a chimney sweep. Part-time job. After school. Out of middle school. (laughs) He goes and sweeps around, yeah. But, wow. Did, I mean, was he breaking off mirrors? Or just... I don't know. I was, like, trying not to look because I was like, I don't want to be associated right. with this because I was, like, a really good kid. You're like, you're not using that broom properly? Thank you. <laughs> you should be cleaning, Curtis. <laughs> I remember his name, too, Curtis. Curtis? <laughs> Probably in prison. But also still could be listening to this. So, hi, Curtis. Hey, Curtis. Thanks for... I won't say your last name, and I remember that, too. Oh, he's... Got the I'll find you on Facebook. <laughs> it's not the Curtis we know. It's not Curtis okay. that we know, no. <laughs> also, hi, Curtis. Hey, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, she wrote the book, Linda Godfrey, back to Linda Godfrey. She wrote the book, The Beast of Bray Road. Very popular mm-hmm. dogman werewolf book. Bray Road is in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, as Charles already stated, and the city is about 10,000 people small. It's just a very uh, nice, conservative little town. It was a great place to raise my family, and uh, it doesn't look like a place that would harbor a werewolf. It's a big slice of Americana. Yeah. Cheese curds. Yeah. You had me at cheese. (laughs) (laughs) We also, they also make a point to let us know about satanic ritual stabbings, the Slender Man stabbing. They kind of pile on heavily that there is a satanic cult or Satan worshiper presence in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's a little hard for me to be like, this seems legitimate. <laughs> I know. Um, and then they talk about the actual road. It's chapter two, a road called Bray. Uh, it's only about four miles long. And so it's not a very long, but it was once a native American trail. Right. Uh, and it's named after the Bray family that moved there, lived mm-hmm. there first. And they have two of the brothers, I think they're brothers, mm-hmm. the Bray brothers, who um, are in this documentary. And they aren't sensational about it. Like, they don't they don't seem weird or crazy or like, yes. And they don't even, I don't even think that they say that they've seen it. No. So uh, I was, they I just thought that kinda, was interesting. Yeah. They kind of complained. Like, I felt like they were my dad, like... Well, the story came out and people just started parking on a road, bothering my mom. I would charge yeah. for people to come out there. Why not? Yeah. Put a gate at the end. Mm-hmm. $5. Make a lot of money. Oh, I did want to mention, too, that from Dogman Encounters podcast, which I think he's only on YouTube now, but he mentions frequently that Dogman is often seen in cornfields and... Marshy areas, which is basically central Wisconsin. So just, I mean, a little tidbit. 
seems to be an awful lot of sightings about around that. Are marshy areas, when I hear marshy area, I think swamp. Is that mm-hmm. like what a marshy area is? Or? Yeah, think, surprisingly, Wisconsin grows a lot of cranberries. So think of okay. like, it's like a boggy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about Wisconsin. I know. I always thought it was like New England for some reason that cranberries grew in. I used to drive past uh, Ocean Spray cranberry fields uh, to and from my way to college. Oh my gosh. No. I love it was cranberry cool. juice. It was pretty cool. And we went to the Cranberry Fest. Oh. It took place there. Did you have a lot of Cosmos? No. Well, I was with my parents, so. DDs. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> They had, like, a cute little, like, flea market, and you could buy cranberries, and it's cute. So now we're getting into Chapter 3, The Wearable File. Oh, yes. This is where we meet John Fredrickson, who was the town's animal control slash... I think he calls himself the humane officer. Yeah. He encounters Donna, speaks with her in December of 1991. Yeah, you said Donna again. Shit. Why do I have her name Donna sometimes? <laughs> I don't. She looks like a Donna. Uh, yeah. Is Linda? there anybody in this name Donna? <laughs> Fudge. Fudge One of Rama. the sightings might be of a Donna. Well, let me just cross out Donna. Linda. In case we need to record this a third time. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, so he actually has a folder for werewolf info. I had invited Lori and Dresian to talk to her about her sightings. And at that time, I made a manila folder marked Werewolf, and that's kind of where the, the whole Werewolf folder comes in there. It kind of sounds like an X-File, mm-hmm. but he's just collecting reports from people who have claimed they've seen something. And he he tells us that he believes them because a diverse group of people has have seen basically the same creature. Uh, it has red eyes in the face of a German shepherd, um, and that's kind of the details we get now. We get into more physical descriptions yeah. here in a little bit, because we have some, I guess, eyewitness testimony. John is like, through the entire thing, he's, I don't know, he's very, like, emotionless, but, like, not, like, in a bad way, but just very straightforward. Yeah. People are calling in, so I wrote this down. I don't know what else to call it. I called it werewolf file. Well, I bingo, feel like bingo. he might have been bored as an animal control <laughs> officer there. I mean, I feel like you would have to be almost emotionless in a lot of situations involving animals and animal welfare. Like, yeah. it's going to be, you got to, pro- if you see something because people have called in, it's not because it's something good, I wouldn't think. Right, usually, yeah. Um, That's true. So he's he's seen some shit and now he's got a effing werewolf. Running around town, scratching cars. He's like, where do I get silver bullets? I don't know. Uh, get. A werewolf hunter? Yeah, What? what's the name of a werewolf hunter? Didn't they make a movie about it? Mm, I'm not a big Van werewolf. Helsing. Isn't that werewolves? No. Vampires? Mm-hmm. Shoot. Okay. But That's close what enough. I, was of. I mean, I think in the movie with Hugh Jackman, he fights werewolves, but okay. not the real one. <laughs> okay well the I, I and i also thought it was funny that the file that linda saw marked werewolf just blew her mind she couldn't believe that 
there was an actual file on it. She's like, this is legit. And he opened up his desk drawer, pulled out a manila file folder that was marked werewolf or labeled werewolf. And at that moment is when it became news, really, because when you've got a county official with a file folder marked werewolf, that's news. He was probably making a joke of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He was just like, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to call it a werewolf. Yeah. Ha ha ha. That's what I would do. Yeah. So John gives us some of the sightings, um, which Charles kind of went into, like... Large head, German Shepherd, wolf-like, but it's standing on its hind legs. It's big. It's seven to foot, seven to eight foot tall. One was seen chasing a deer, and kind of like humanoid hands, but with like claws, red eyes. And some of this was in daytime too. It wasn't mm-hmm. all at night. People saw it like chasing the deer across the road. I think in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then it gave us a lot of artwork during this, which was super creepy artwork, I thought. Of the dog man thing? I guess maybe some of the artwork was, but their, like, CGI animal chasing things was... Yeah, but then they show, like, a... Like a... Coming at you. I guess if it was 1995 and I was four years old, I would have been scared. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean... So seven years ago? It is, yeah, it's a little aggressive. I don't like things popping in my face either, which sounds really... (laughs) Well, that I do like. Uh... (laughs) I feel like we were so on point when we recorded Sunday, and now we're just going off the rails. And I haven't even had as much to drink. (laughs) (laughs) We were too serious Sunday. We gotta finish this bottle of wine before we leave this room. Okay. I like oh. that challenge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> it's a big bottle too, you guys. <sighs> yeah, this is like a kill somebody bottle. Anyway, uh, one more thing. Linda noted that people were very scared when they told their story. She thought they looked pale and were sweating and... Probably because they were hands. coming down for some drugs. Yeah, meth. <laughs> uh, so the first sighting, I guess, that we get actual detail of is on Halloween of 1991. Oh, chapter four. Listen. Chapter four. Listen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chapter four, Emergence of a Beast. Yes. Uh, October 31st, 1991. Doris Gibson is the first sighting. She is a senior in high school named Doris. She's got a weird life. She's got problems already. Um, She claims that she thought she ran over a dog or something on her way home. Uh, She thought it was her friends playing a prank on her, which I was like... Yes. What kind People, of friends throw animals into It's the, what you do. Is that what you do in it's Wisconsin? It's what you do. Um, and she says that it actually clawed her car. We don't get to see it. No. Uh, this is frustrating. Yeah. Because Linda goes to interview her. Mm-hmm. Linda, the newspaper reporter, doesn't bring a camera along. Linda? To take pictures for the newspaper. Listen, Linda. But Linda said she saw the claws as well. Uh which were down the trunk of the car, like it tried to head, like lunged and grabbed on, but well, I guess it didn't grab on, just mm-hmm. scraped her car. Oh. But now that we're talking about this again, don't you think it's odd that the creature didn't attack like more cars throughout the years and like try to latch on? Or do you think maybe it was like because cars have been around before 1991, <laughs> and if this creature has been around for a long time or multiple creatures, you would think that they would have learned to avoid cars. Well, this was like a particularly aggressive wolf man, dog man. Well, what? 
I mean, she got out of her car to look. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just after her. She For jumps into the car. Maybe she was a target. Maybe someone is secretly controlling the Beast of Bray Road. Maybe. Maybe it's like a voodoo doll. I mean, Case you, solved. they do talk about later summoning things. Yeah. Okay. I also want to know why Doris was on this road, because yeah, it's, it's a four-mile stretch. Booze cruising. Remember, that's oh, what yes, we were talking booze about. booze cruising. That's right. She was booze cruising. And senior in high school. <laughs> running over small animals that the dog man is trying to eat. Yeah. How dare you, Doris. Doris. So we get a couple of more people talking about... And we actually see one of the witnesses, Tom Brickta. Brickto? Yeah. Brickta. Uh, he's talking about how he smelled a gross odor. Odor? Odor. Odor. <laughs> and it made me think of Bigfoot. And he said it scratched his car, too. It was very frightening. Um, and then Linda and Dreezy, she saw the creature in a ditch, kneeling and eating roadkill. Okay, that graphic was creepy. Come on. Yeah, that was creepy. So creepy. Um... <laughs> And then John tells us how Linda was in his oh, office yeah. reporting this. And while they were discussing this, books started flying off the shelves of his office. There really wasn't any cause for the books to go flying off the shelf. So that that was the end of that conversation. And I had to wonder, how many books does he have in his office? And what are these books of? Good like question. Minnes- Wisconsin Law? Wisconsin um, Dog Log? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This part, I was like... No, I don't believe you. I don't believe him. I think his bookshelf just broke. Yeah. From the shadows. Is this where Linda publishes her story? Um, yes. This page is ripped out of my notebook, so it could be out of order. I don't know. Get it Let's together. find out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just patch. This is a patched up podcast. It's like Frankenstein's monster. So she draws this illustration and other news outlets start picking it up and she starts to get a bunch of other sightings and encounters from like all over the world basically all over the country especially but this one person um in the area writes in and says that his dad saw it in 1936 while he was a night watchman at some catholic i have place i thought it was a sanatorium yeah, like a hospital or some yeah some sort of home. But there were people people were buried on the property. Right, there were ancient burial grounds, and I couldn't. I was that just there was regular cemetery, or was it like Indian burial ground? I think it was just a regular okay. cemetery. But he sees a large creature digging, like on the top of one of these mounds, as he's doing his rounds. And he comes upon it, and he shines a light on it, and the creature's kind of startled, and he runs off. Well, the next night, he's making his rounds again, and the creature's there again. It stood up, faced him, and made what sounded like, um, he described as sort of a proto-human language. And what it sounded like to the man was the utterance of the word Gadara. They don't say what else. He yeah. claims it said, but it was an old language. And they kind of say that this is from like a biblical place where Jesus casts out demons out of a man. Yeah. And then something about 
the priest from this Catholic place had had difficulties after he had exercised a boy um, and the de- a demon, the demon attached to him. So they're kind of connecting some weird dots that are strange for that place and seeing this creature, but it's it really makes you wonder, how is this all connected? Synchronicity? Is it? The goblins? Let's not get the goblins involved. <laughs> That's the last thing Wisconsin needs. They're back! I just want some <laughs> elves and some trees making me some cookies. Oh, man. <laughs> we should have cookies. We should bake a dozen cookies before every podcast. I have a great homemade chocolate chip recipe. Well, sharing is caring. Okay. I'll make some special cookies for us. <laughs> so we can see Dogman too. So but this is leading us into the next chapter, which is The Devil Comes to Music is super creepy. Lori, one of the the one who saw the dogman in the ditch eating something, believes that in her interview she kind of said like she believed it was satanic in nature. And then John, the dog catcher, is like, in my opinion, there is a dark side to this world. So some of these sightings, they're part of a, the natural order of nature, and it was some animal, some type of animal that's easily believable. Or I wouldn't uh, doubt if it could have been something along the supernatural realm of things also, from what I had experienced. But wait, <laughs> I don't think I said this last time. What? I was like, if this, she, you're right, she said it was demonic, but then they say that she thought it might even be Satan. And I was like, would this Satan actually just be hanging out in ditches eating roadkill? Like, that's its master plan to you uh, know, destroy people? Is I should t- hope not. <laughs> I mean, if Satan is going to Satan, <laughs> you might as well eat people. Right. Or, I don't babies. I don't, I mean, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but like, yeah. Yeah, Why I would just, he be eating roadkill? Yeah, it, I was kind of like, okay, L- Lori. I was about to call her Linda. I don't know anybody's name. <laughs> but, you know, this is this is very Wisconsin. This whole part, I was like, oh, it's so Wisconsin. So very. Really? Yeah. So very Christian and, like, Midwestern. Oh. Like, I see something weird. It must be the devil. <laughs> I saw two men kissing. Yeah. <laughs> be gone, Satan! Power of Christ compels you. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, Oh, go ahead. No, Fredrickson tells us about how he's had to go to the scene of mutilated animals, mm-hmm. uh, which he thought were part of satanic a satanic ritual. But the police bulldozed the location before he could complete his investigation, which I just kind of was like, really? That's how this works? I don't know. I'm not from Wisconsin. Well, there's a lot of hunters in Wisconsin, okay? You clean a deer, you get the meat off. What do you do with the rest of it? You dump it somewhere. Ew. Well. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It makes sense to me that it would be just a dumping site for the local townspeople for their kills. Quick side note on that about cleaning a deer. When I took public speaking, I was in college, or I was in high school still, and I had been awarded a guest scholarship. So we had to do a process speech, 
and we had to be filmed giving the speech so we could critique ourselves. And the teacher asked for people to volunteer to run the video camera. And I volunteered, and this guy did his process speech on how to field dress a deer with pictures. Oh. And I'm sitting there at the camera, <laughs> and there's, like, so much gore. It's, like, him, like, arms deep and <laughs> elbows deep in some deer's guts. And I just started laughing because I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. <laughs> this is so gross. So gross. Teach what you know. <laughs> I talked about how to make a sandwich. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, what kind of sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly? Uh, no, it was a, a BLT. Oh, BLT. Yeah. That also sounds good. Yeah, that's. I... Why do you have so many pictures of you with this? Yeah, Ugh. who's taking the pictures? His dad? I guess. Good thing he was kind of cute, but then after that, I was like, I'm not into you. I know where gonna... those hands have been. I'm not going to date you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tell your girlfriend that. <laughs> okay. Well, John, or Fredrickson, the dog catcher, says a lot of satanic stuff goes on in Wisconsin, like we mentioned earlier. And he's got these friends in law enforcement that are telling about all the satanic stuff going around. I told you about satanic panic, mm -hmm. which is like 80s, early 90s, when everyone around the country thought that satanic stuff was going around. So I don't know how much I put into this. Like, it's like a 1990s witch hunt, basically. Anyone who was weird was probably a Satanist. Mm -hmm. And by Satanist, I mean just goth kid, you know? I mean, thankfully, they couldn't be burned at the stake, but their house could have been burned down and they could have been taken to a field and shot instead. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how often that happened, but it's a definite possibility. <laughs> <sighs> Then we get introduced to David Floyd. An English professor. Mm. Professor. Professor. The wolf is seen as the symbol of greed and consumption. And probably because it's, it has such a violent nature, it's seen as uh, this chaotic force in, in society that kind of threatens stability um, in the culture. He tells us that the wolf is seen as a sneaky, destructive creature... That morphs into basically folklore, mm -hmm. represents loss of control. The wolf is in a lot of different cultural stories. So I think he's just kind of like there to tell us, settle down. These stories are not real. Right. And that's basically what all of chapter seven is, is a history lesson about people who have claimed to be werewolves who are in real life. The serial right. killer, werewolf of Bedburg. And then they tell us that in Wisconsin, there, as you said earlier, there's lots of different native tribes, and they have their own legends about wolf people who <laughs> were very old animals. They came from the spirit world, and it's because man was investigating beyond where he should be. And these creatures have come, I guess, or they think that they did to put man back in his place, or be like, you can't investigate here. Where is that exactly? Corn the edge of reality. Oh. <laughs> My basement. <laughs> so then we get to The Beast is Back, Chapter 8. I missed Chapter 7 through 
Nine. I didn't write down the chapters, so you start talking, and then I'll remember where we are. I wrote them all down. You did. Well, I meant to, but I... I take good notes. Except for that one day. (laughs) (laughs) We've each had a day where we're like, what happened to our notes? You know what? We're all human, clearly. That's why we do this as a duo podcast, because then where one of us is weaker, the other one is stronger. That's why you gotta pick somebody who goes with your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, So, chapter eight. The Beast is back. Uh, The Beast has become popular. Linda Godfrey is the spokesperson. Um, she stayed busy and wrote about her entire experience. The book, when her book was released, there, of course, is a resurgence of sightings. And someone, <laughs> I wrote this one down because I thought it was funny. Someone claims that the creature ran alongside their car when they were going 55 miles per hour. Yes. So fast in Wisconsin. Yeah. The it's exact like, speed limit. Can't, I don't know if cows can run that fast, but I'm sure coyotes can run pretty quickly. Maybe not 55 miles per hour. How fast do cheetahs run? Cheetahs run up to, like, 70, but for short bursts. Okay. So, for a mile, I'd say that's pretty long to run that fast. Yeah. My other question, still, you couldn't speed up. You didn't slow down. You didn't try to, like, run it off the road. Exactly 55 miles an hour for one mile. Like your cruise control? Yeah. Well... Do you want to get pulled over? So you're just like, this giant beast will just run alongside you. That's cool. I guess he's not hurting anyone, so I'll just leave the <laughs> devil to himself. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to mess with that right now. <sighs> so then I'm sure this is probably maybe your favorite chapter, chapter nine, dog slash man, where we get into the dog man more folklore. Where yes. Linda has realized, basically, <laughs> oh, yes. the Beast of Bray Road is the same thing, and she sees it as an indigenous dogman. Right. She gets into, like, some sort of evolutionary theory about how maybe it is an actual species, and... I was reasoning it could have been something that was just a very minor mutation of uh, slightly larger paws... And maybe some sort of adjustment in the spinal column that perhaps it was advantageous for it to um, be able to stand up. I guess it's possible. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's a spiritual slash extraterrestrial extraterrestrial being. A interdimensional being? Yeah, internet dimensional parallel universe being. Jay, um, who I don't actually know if we actually brought up yet, but he's a paranormal investigator they have there. He shows us a wolf print that was as big as his hand. So, and he, and he says something like, people in Wisconsin know what wolves look like, and this is not a wolf because they would know. But I would disagree with that because how often wolves are, like, they're out there. But they're pretty sneaky, and they're pretty rare to see. Right. And they are actually pretty massive. hmm So, I would say maybe some of these are wolves. I have pictures of wolves on my phone. You have one on your t-shirt right now. Massive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, feel, I see a wolf once a year when we go down to Cedar Cove Feline Sanctuary. They actually have oh. wolves there, too. <laughs> But I was like, you don't ever, I don't think I've ever seen, I've seen coyotes in the wild, but I've never seen 
a wolf, yeah. which I'd probably be scared if I saw yeah. wolves because well, they are in a pack. And how big is the one in the sanctuary? Pretty. It's, I would say, from what I remember, it's bigger than a German shepherd, but it wasn't, and I don't know what kind of wolves these are that are there, but it wasn't like super tall or anything. Um, they're, they're really, I I thought they were really pretty. (laughs) So I'd be like, hello, (laughs) let me just pet you. Hello. Shampoo your fur. Um, sorry, I'm just Googling. So. Wolves of Wisconsin. Well, Tibber wolves. This (laughs) says heights like almost three feet tall at the shoulder and can be up to like six and a half feet long. Yeah. And then, like, 180 pounds, up to 180 pounds. So that's... So someone might be training wolves to walk on their hind legs. Well, he doesn't... And then pursue prey. Because they talk about that when chasing the deer. Dogs jump up on their rear legs. I'm Mm -hmm. like, if they're in cornfields or long grass, do wolves just stand up to, like, get a scent or scope the area out? They might. If they've been living in an area where those crops have been, they might have evolved to learn to do that to find prey. I mean, it just makes sense. It makes sense. Biological also, sense. Dogman's probably real. <laughs> He's under the bed right now. <laughs> don't say that. I don't think anything can be under this bed, though. It's like a platform bed. There's stuff under there. Because I've shoved it under there. Oh, my. Movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not Nudie <bodies>. movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nudie movies? Our regular movies. We have a back have room any. in our video store. <laughs> My brother used to say things were under my bed, and it really bothered me. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. I had a very overactive imagination as a child. I was never afraid of things under my bed because I had a water bed. (laughs) But I was afraid of things next to my bed. I like how you're afraid of sharks but had a water bed. I didn't choose to have a water bed. (laughs) Your parents were like, our eight-year-old son needs a water bed. I was six when I had a water bed. Why? I don't know. What's your parents' number? I'm going to call them right now. Let's Let's put it out on the air. (laughs) If you want to call my parents and ask why I had a waterbed as a six-year-old. Mr. and Mrs. Yonts. Why? They are not conducive to sleeping. Just let me tell you. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. Like when you turn. It just jiggles the whole time. I feel like that would just wake you up. Mm -hmm. And it gets really hot, too. Really? Because you're kind of surrounded by the plastic. I mean, you have your sheet and whatever, but I was like, how did the sheet stay on that thing? Now yeah, that I look back at it. how did the sheet stay on that? My dad's co-worker, who was a few years old, my dad's co-worker's son, who was a few years older than me, stayed over one time, and he was going to sleep on the bed, too, and he's like, I can't sleep on this, because if you have, like, two people and you move, it's like... Yeah, you're just going to, like, roll to each Yeah, roll, roll into each other, <laughs> and then you're, like, burning hot. So he ended up sleeping on the floor, and it's like, I slept on the floor, too. He's like, actually, it's better down here with the... <laughs> Carpet and like having some <laughs> structure. Structure, yeah. Water beds, don't buy them. <laughs> this I don't is your think PSA. You can anymore. Probably people have suffocated in them or something. No. I'm just glad I didn't. But I really wonder about that sheet thing now. If you had a water bed and you remember putting sheets on it, how did that work? How did that work? Because I made my bed, but I didn't like put the sheets on. You know what I mean? Like I right, would make my bed six. every morning. Well, I was pretty self-sufficient. We were six years old. 
Anyway. <laughs> All these tangents today. <laughs> mm. Ricky Sanchez. Ricky, who has a sighting. He lives 100 miles north of Bray Road, basically. And one night he's outside. I don't, I don't know if he was going out to get his dogs or what he was doing outside, but he sees these glowing red lights or the, the eye shine of an animal in his backyard. And he walks towards it. And as he walks towards it, the creature is moving backwards, but also keeping his eyes on him. Um, and he keeps walking towards it until the creature hits the tree line, basically, and stands up. Mm-hmm. And Ricky sees that it's big and standing. So he goes and grabs his dogs and brings them inside. And then he just goes inside. Then later, sometime later, he's outside with a neighbor and his father having a fire. And they see the creature again watching them. Yeah. Well, and I said this the last time. I thought it was so weird that his dogs were outside and this creature was there and the dogs didn't go crazy or try to attack it or at least go sniff it. Yeah, he doesn't mention anything like that. Because when I think of my grandparents' dog on the farm, she pretty much stayed with them and especially as she got older. But when we were out like around the farm, she would wander off for a while. 30 minutes later, she'd show back up. Mm Mm-hmm. She was out investigating, sniffing, whatever. Yeah, that's weird. And so it's weird to me that multiple dogs wouldn't be territorial of their farm. And if there's this dogman-like creature, or on the reverse, wouldn't they have been scared? Mm-hmm. You know, if it was something paranormal, wouldn't they maybe have started cowering or, like, peeing or, like, tails between their legs, like, whimpering, wanting to go inside? I just thought it was odd that the dogs didn't act a different way. Or if they did, he didn't mention it. Like, he didn't notice anything. And then the neighbor had an experience as well. Yeah, he had to leave super early for work, around 2 a.m. He had to take his, like, trash bins down his drive and he was when he was going to work. And when he was going back to his truck, he said he saw a dog creature pacing in front of his truck. And I was like, like between you and your truck or where in front of your truck? Like, how did you get into your truck? how did you get back into your truck? Um, And they make this seem like they have frequent visits from this dogman beast creature. And I'm like, okay, so why aren't we there? Mm -hmm. Why isn't this documentary crew there? Why isn't there? Why don't you have pictures? Why, yeah, why don't you find some tracks or... Ricky, you're a liar. I gotta find him on Facebook and see if we can go camp on his property. Hmm. No. I'll bring my crossbow and my guns and my pepper spray. You can have the pepper spray. Thanks. <laughs> well, Linda says that she she felt like the people felt like the dog man was giving them a message. Really? Have that? Yeah. What was the message? We don't know. Oh. The end. I was like, the next thing I had was Lee Hample, <laughs> the math teacher. That's what I have next. Oh. Who's Lee? Lee <laughs> is a math teacher who bought a farm 
uh, in 2007. And in, for some reason, so he buys the farm in 2007. Uh, in 2013, September of 2013, he is harvesting like most farmers do. He bought it in 2007? I have 2007. Hmm. That math teacher Lee Hample bought a farm. September 2013, he's going to ask for help with the hay for harvest. And the people that he's talking to are asking him about the beast living on his property. And he is quickly filled in about this mysterious beast of Bray Road. And uh, so he decides that he wants to do some experiments, like most math teachers I know do. (laughs) And he starts picking up roadkill and leaving (laughs) it on the edge of his property. Uh, kind of where the tree line begins. Mm-hmm. And he claims, so he leaves out a raccoon, a dead raccoon. And he says that it's been cut open. Like the next day, it was cut open almost surgically and that the intestines were gone. But then Linda claims that the insides were scooped out and left next to the body. Right. So we're getting conflicting information here. Yeah, we don't know. Um, he also says that he had buried a badger. And it was dug up, and the body was moved 10 to 15 feet away. It wasn't taken. It was just moved. Which I was like, well, scavenger animals will do that. So that's not, like, that weird to me. My dad would have to. He had a backhoe, and he would bury, like, a dead cow or horse for the Amish that lived by us. Mm -hmm. And he said, you got to bury it deep. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, bears... Coyotes. Probably coyotes. We'll dig it up. Yeah. Which, ew. Yeah, it's icky. Yeah. Uh, So over the next four years, Lee documents these mutilations of animals. And then briefly, lights in the sky. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff going on on his farm. It's like a... The center... The vortex of paranormal activity. Um, He also claims that he's, excuse me, documented the red eyes of the creature. And then we talked about this the last time, the creepy thing, the mist. Mm -hmm. And the mist, and then that mist came and like cloaked it and then the deer's gone. Well, it happened that um, he had the deer set down in kind of a little nest of grass on the edge of his property. And when he came back, um, the deer was gone. He thought, aha, it'll be on the trail camera. He looked at it, and at the time that the deer would have had to have been taken, this strange mist appeared. And in the pictures, he has like this whole scrapbook of pictures. Yeah. You see <laughs> the mist float out and settle over the deer, and then the deer disappears. Yeah. With- it's weird. It is weird, and this was, like, the only point in this documentary that I was like, okay, if this is really real, then I'm creeped out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the mist starts as, like, he's got... A pro- he's got a trail cam, so it takes photos of movement, I would assume. Mm -hmm. And the mist starts off as, like, a little ball, almost. And then you see it, like, elongate... Over the camera, and then, yeah. It was interesting. It was really interesting. And I don't think I've ever heard of that happening before, at least in this context of, like... Right. Except for the movie The Mist, where there's creepy shit that comes out of it. Uh, So he 
also claims that he followed the trail of, I guess, where the deer was dragged and to no avail. And he did find tracks, and the track experts said that they were not animal. That it might have, the way the tracks were and how deep they were, it might have been someone on stilts. Or an abnormal coyote, is what they said. They never show, they they show the cast that he made, Mm -hmm. but they don't show them from above so you can actually see them. They're all side profiles, so you get like, you can see that they're cast, but you can't see what they look like, which I thought was odd. Either they don't look like tracks or... Lee needs to hire us. One of my best friends in high school is named Lee. Where is he or she now? Still in Wisconsin. Is this your friend? (laughs) (laughs) Is this secretly her friend? (laughs) Is that a secret friend? No, I meant this Lee. Oh, no, this this is not. No, no. I wish it was. I'd call him up. Yeah. Uh, So now we're at the conclusion. Chapter 11. Conclusion. Better off left alone. And someone mentioned cheese curds again, which made me hungry at the time, because I wrote, mm. Cheese curds are so good. Uh, the to- the town is torn, apparently. Like... Like Natalie and Bruglia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a minute since I thought of that song. Some people are like, hey, why don't you cash in on the tourism aspect of this? Uh, other people just don't want to talk about it. People don't believe it. Linda says that she won't joke about it because she thinks that this phenomena is much bigger than just an Elkhorn. It's connected to much more in the world. See, and... now that's where I was like, so does she believe that it's an actual thing? Or Linda does she think is... that... She's great at marketing. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. She gives you just enough to make you think, but then you don't know. She can't admit it. She doesn't want to hurt her reputation. But yeah. I mean, she's made her living, I would yeah. say, off of her books, which yeah. are mostly paranormal-based from what I remember the pictures they show us of her books. Yeah. So? So I'm ready for a road trip. Cheese curds, camping, shooting at creatures in the dark. Do you have a tent? Okay. And I also have one of those sleeping bags that can withstand up to sub-zero temperatures. Sweet. I've used it once. It is Wisconsin. Yeah. When our power went out earlier this year. That's right. (laughs) For like five days. Yeah. That was the most we used our camping gear (laughs) because it was very cold in our house. I have a cousin that lives up there. They just bought a house with a lot of land. Okay. We should go. They're the ones that got me into Dogman in the first place by telling me about it. That's what I told you. That's sorry. Yeah, okay. When I was in high school and they told me about it. And we right. used to dial up interwebs to, <laughs> to, look it up. to look it up. So, yeah. Did you well, like this documentary? I did. I really did. I think it was probably one of my favorites. It was well made. Um, not. It wasn't very long. I think it was an hour or just over an hour. Um, and it wasn't trying too hard. I mean, some of the graphics were hokey, but... I feel like it's probably a low-budget company that's making these documentaries. So I appreciate that they are kind of exploring smaller legends. Um, Yeah, this one's not super... I mean, it falls under the whole Dogman Werewolf genre, but Elkhorn, Wisconsin, I don't think many people know about it. Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it. Creeped me out. Even though it didn't creep you out. 
<laughs> um, yeah, it, it didn't creep me out, but I was watching it in bed on my tablet with one of the cats next to me. And I mean, if I was watching it like in my tent in the middle of a field and I could hear coyotes howling, maybe that would be a different story. It's yeah. all about context. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm from Wisconsin and I've heard about it. And, and there, my brother wrote in a story, which kind of about a camping site that we used to go to. I still haven't read that. Well, don't. Okay. I won't read it. To I want to be surprised. <laughs> I want to be surprised. Um, uh, what is your favorite thing of the week this week? So, for the second time this week, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing. <laughs> and this is actually part of the podcast that I'm about to tell you about. They do a favorite thing of the week, which hmm. is kind of where I got an idea. But I really love that segment of yeah. this podcast. And the podcast I'm talking about is called The Show with Sam and Joe. And they are two gay men who record a podcast about anything and everything under the sun. Uh, their favorite cheese of the week. Um, video games, RuPaul's Drag Race, and they do a segment where they talk about their favorite things, and they've talked about bidets that they've bought. Uh, they bought them. One of them bought one, yeah. Wow. Um, so... Well, you're eating all that cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Sam lives in Montana, and Joe lives in Washington, D.C., oh, wow. and they do this podcast every week, and, you know, it's just entertaining. They make me laugh, and they seem like... I'd want to hang out with them and eat some cheese curds. Well, <laughs> send them an email. Oh, I have. I oh. yeah. Your besties now. Basically, <laughs> so well connected. <laughs> what is your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing this week is a new podcast that I just started listening to today. So I'm making it my favorite thing of the week. Uh, called Late Night Fright. By well, with Dan, is it Dan and Faith? Yeah, Dan and Faith. Dan and Faith I have Charles. also listened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like a set. Well, they review scary movies, um, but then it's kind of like a satire public radio show. Yeah, and they have fake commercials and like callers. Uh, they put a lot of work into they do it. Put a lot so of work it's into yeah. It. I was like, wow, they have really done a lot. Yes. <laughs> But it's it's kind of hokey, but, like, in an enjoyable kind of way. Yeah. So, and it reminds me of the public access cable channels I used to watch as a child. Yeah, I could see that. And they talk about scary movies. So yeah, if you and, yeah. like scary movies. I and, scary movies. So. Um, it's, it's, all, it's very, uh, it's not standoffish or, like, it's... Like you, it's easily relatable. I guess is what I'm right. trying to say. They're not like professional film critics going into all the nuances. But they're yeah. just like it's like know? listening to two friends or people that you would think would be your friends who run a public access channel or radio. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. You hijacked Bogart. my <laughs> favorite thing of the week. It's like <laughs> they didn't like the new Halloween movie. Did you oh, listen to that? No, I haven't listened to that one. And Charles and I went to see that. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Did you like it? I liked it, yeah. Yeah, I liked it, too. I thought it was enjoy. It was... I didn't really know what I was expecting, because I didn't watch many trailers, because I didn't want to spoil it for myself, right. which is weird, because usually I spoil everything for myself. <laughs> but that, I was like, no, I'm just going to go and experience it without any... So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. I think that was the last scary movie I've seen. But I am excited for Midsummer. 
We'll have to watch the trailer after we get done recording. It looks really creepy and disturbing. Have you seen Us? No, I want to see that I also. I want to see that too. Yeah. There's a lot I want to see. I'm just too poor. <laughs> I can't afford to I go to the time. movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we reviewing next, Charles? Next, we are going to be doing The Mothman, uh, also on Amazon Prime. We'd, I'd wanted to watch it yeah. way back when, and we couldn't get you on my Prime account for some reason. So we are finally going to be watching a documentary about Mothman. I don't know if it's by the company that did this one, but it's... Um, and I don't know a whole ton about Mothman. I never saw the movie with Richard Gere, even though... I'm going to make you watch Hello, that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's what we are watching next. I'm very excited about that. Um, oh, and over Memorial Day weekend, my friend oh, Joe yeah. will be in town, and I have told her repeatedly to choose <laughs> a documentary yeah. that she wants to review, and she wants to be about ghosts. I'm like, you can pick from whatever. These are what we have access to. Pick something. Jill, I know you just bought a house, and you're in the process of moving, but... Get your shit together. Yeah, you can do, you can do this, or I'm going <laughs> to pick it for you. <laughs> Love you. Love you, baby. <laughs> So. All right, so Mothman next, and, um, oh, next week, uh, instead of a break, we're doing a short story. Okay. So you're going to hear Sarah Ghost Story. Yeah. And uh, if you like us, please rate, subscribe, and review. And until next time, stay, stay mysterious. mysterious. Bye. It could happen anywhere, at any time. It could happen to you.